Hello everyone and welcome to Wes Builds of Theatre. This is episode six and we're doing a special episode today. If you like the format, say you like it and we'll continue doing them. What we are doing is a Your Theatre episode. So we have a guest on that's listened to all the episodes so far and they've developed their own theatre. And that guest is Rory Erin, who is the Leadership and Development Manager at Contact and also a poet. So, Rory, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Did you like my dramatic pause before Poet? I love the dramatic pause before Poet. Quite fitting, really. Yeah, because you're a bit more spoken word, aren't you? You do a lot of spoken word. Yeah, bits and bobs. I guess it's gone uh, more to the page over lockdown because I, I can't really, not really enjoy the Zoom nights. Um, so, ah. do enough of that during the day. So, I've kind of gone more page poetry uh for now all right do you have a book do you have a book coming out i do yeah i do uh called dog light with bearded badges publisher um check it out if you hit me up on twitter or something like that um you'll be able to see it there cool and we'll give your twitter handle and everything away at the end of the show so rory obviously you've enjoyed the podcast yeah it's great thanks i was just there for a bit of a bit of a compliment (laughs) i knew i could see you fishing don't worry about it so we'll start from the top episode one which was mission statement so for your theater what's its mission statement what does it want to do what's its aim it's a good question Wes it's a good question I did have a good think about it um it would be probably uh, empowering the next generation of working class artists cool so by working class do you mean from everywhere in the country you want a really big reach everywhere mm. is it going to be like a really big theater with a large reach or is it going to be uh, you know, in a in a very small particular local area. Right. Um, so the, the whole thing of being like a national, um, whatever, national programme, national theatre has never really appealed to me. Um, I don't really get why we're so obsessed with taking things national. Like they've got to be massive. I don't really get that. I quite like kind of local, small scale, but deep rooted kind of community um, engagement projects and engagement shows really. Um, so it would probably be located in, so I'm from Derby, so let's say it would be in Derby yeah. and it would be, uh, but even that, like, let's say, I don't even think it has to be city-wide. I'd have, very happily have it in kind of one part of the city that it knows really well, it knows the people really well, and it represents that that community, really. Okay, that's really interesting. That sounds like Alan Lane's uh, set up with Slung Glow in the Holbeck from the last episode. So if anyone's interested in that, go back and give that a listen. So Rory, what's your architecture of your theatre going to be like? What is it going to look like? Um, again, another, another very good question. Um, I'd probably, well, I'd look at what resources were there in the community already and try and take over, whether it's a disused building, an old shop, maybe, um, something that is really accessible, something that doesn't put off people from the outside, something that I can get a bit DIY and, um, kind of mess up a little bit for shows, um, and let kind of young people take over. So once I was once running a project in, well, I was part, I wasn't running the project, that's a lie, part of a project in Rochdale, um, and they took over a shop, an old shop front, and it was amazing. Like, I loved everything about it. Um, so so something to do like that, really. Awesome. And how did what was that project about in Rochdale? Um, so that was uh, uh, part of an organisation called Reclaim um, that works with work-class young people, but more around politics and leadership and stuff like that. But it was read by it was led by an amazing person called Rob Kippen at the time, who's really artistic, and he kind of took over the shop with his team, and uh, and did some amazing just kind of like DIY work, art work with young people. Cool. So that was like 
visual art, but like, was it like any theatre or was it poetry? Yeah, visual art, speech making, poetry, that was all there. Um, they also did kind of kind of rallies um, outside in the community that I think you could probably take a step further and um, turn them more into kind of sh- showcases, theatre pieces. Um, but it was really, it was a great example of like a really solid community engagement project. So far, you want to use like a, a disused area or a disused building within a community. Mm-hmm. Um, you're fine with it being small, but with like a kind of like really high local impact. Yeah. Now, it seems like you're quite open to it not just be in a theatre. Do you want it to be like multiple things at the same time? Yeah, no, definitely. Because I don't think like, I think what is the, like, the role of the theatre is not just to create theatre, is it? Um, especially when you're talking it in the in the sense of a community space and allowing uh, community members to take over it. So I'd, um, obviously there would be theatre shows involved and that would be absolutely brilliant. But if the young people want to make music, if they want to, um, right if they want to even do um, sports to an extent um, I guess with space I'd let them kind of take over um, it more I'd want it to more feel like I guess like an occupation that they occupy that building and they can do what they want and I've got the tools and resources to allow that to happen really would kind of be what I wanted to go for yeah that's really interesting that you've mentioned sport as well so uh, for my theater the idea was to have five aside pitches outside mm-hmm. And then uh, you can move people from the outside of using the five-a-side pitches to having like FIFA tournaments and whatever like that during the the daytimes or times that you don't have um, shows programmed in the theatres. And I think it's a really good way to get people in. And this might be a very broad statement, but I've been around the arts for a while and I find it really hard to find people that are into like football and stuff in the arts. It's like one in 30, one in 40, maybe one in 100. I don't really find anyone to talk about sport with mm-hmm. do you agree with that uh it is yeah maybe it is it interesting i don't know where that comes from if that, is that from just the educational system that you're either into sports or you're into drama it's like either or when you've got to pick your gcses isn't it because they're not core curriculums so like you drop you jump oh no saying that that's a lie because i did pe and drama but was probably one of the few that did but it is true and i don't know but then there's lots of people i guess people keep in shape don't they still so I guess there are people who are into sports, but maybe not kind of like follow sports in the sense of following football or following cycling or following cricket or that that stuff. So you could do anything along with sport yeah. in this, we'll call it a converted shop for now. Yeah. I quite like that idea. Quite cool. You get a nice shop front and stuff. So if you did a festival, what would that look like? You can, and it doesn't have to be the only one you do a year. It could be one of them. Okay, if I did a fe- um, I mean, I've always got this thing especially when i work with young people i think a lot of young people are angry like you you generally speak to a young person you go how's school and they go it's shit and you go well why is it oh it's boring how what do you do when you're out of school there's nothing to do and i think a lot of adults have this tendency to go no school's not shit no there's loads of stuff to do outside and they kind of quash that feeling but i think you actually explore that what a lot of young people are saying is um actually it's just not good enough our education system isn't good enough. I'm in massive classes. I'm getting taught stuff that isn't relevant. I'm getting out of a textbook that, that's been there for ages. Um, when I go back home, there isn't anything to do because everything's been cut and there's not, maybe they've not necessarily got this vocabulary around it. Um, so if I was to do a festival with young people, I'd definitely explore that. I think that would be the topic of um, that I'd want, I'd want to explore with young people. So, okay. Tell me your opinions on things. I think that'll be, and, and, and let's really go into them. And by that, I don't mean just tell me your opinion and we'll go with them. 
it'll be like, no, we'll push it. We'll learn, we'll learn more about it. And we'll try and really kind of critically evaluate kind of where we're at and why the, why, why aren't you engaged in education? Why aren't you engaged in um, your local community, et cetera, et cetera, what's gone on there. Um, and then from that, we'd I'd support them in turning um, creating interesting pieces of work, whether that be music, whether that be theatre, whether that be sport. Yeah, and, and I'd go from there, really. Um, and I'd kind of allow, I think it's important to, to it, there's a lot of, I think, anger and disillusionment with young people, and it's allowed them to express that um, in a good environment for them to do so. So how would you make this festival happen? What would you need to do for this festival of reevaluating mm-hmm. education? Okay, so how would it start? I mean, if we're talking how would it start, it'd start well before the actual festival, wouldn't it? It'd start with the engagement and it'd start with um, getting a group of young people involved who maybe don't show an interest at the start, but are really passionate. Um, and through a certain amount of creative sessions, through um, critical thinking sessions, through through sports, kind of they come together and they feel like a collective who can actually change things. I think that's like the start of the process. And that may, that may take time. I think that may take three months, that may take six months. Um, and getting them to a point where they feel confident to speak out, they feel um artistically capable of doing stuff so let's say we've done that journey and then we've we've got to this i don't know like a three-day festival um it will probably it start with a lot of um it's kind of hard to say because obviously i'd want it to be really youth-led but um yeah kind of mass participation stuff whether that be um i'd i'd get them i'd get i'd probably start with a big show of what um of what they believe in so let's get like loads of placards let's plaster them around the town let's get um let's get them dotted around dotted around the town with um those are different guerrilla performances where they're showing their opinions through through music through spoken word through theater um and try and like make it them feel like an occupation of the town take take what we've created out of the shop and take it into the town um and then while when people are getting a notice in it and starting to um understand what's going on and um, that's when i'd probably bring them to the shop uh, and we do more of a performance there amazing and do you not think that might annoy the people of the town because there's i know there's loads of talk recently about art moving into towns where towns don't necessarily want it and there's a bit of a resistance i think it's really interesting because i get what people saying of that but then when i've done stuff so i i worked in lee for a while which is i think pretty much your most if you're talking about a a working class town in England, Lee is, you know, it's an old mining town, high levels of deprivation, um, stuff like that. And we marched through, I had a bunch of 30 young people and we marched through with drums and placards and whatnot. And everyone loved it because generally people agreed with what they were saying, you know, uh, whether that was like a statement of like, we need change, we need our voices to hear something like that. And then once we, we then kind of, um gathered in the town square and we did um um different theater performances different speeches stuff like that um people agreed so i i don't know i think um i i'm call me an optimist but i actually think towns like that want to see stuff happening because i think mm. especially towns over the last 10 50 well longer than that they've they've seen that um they've had a such a lack of investment by the arts and a lack of happening but i mean we're both from aren't we we're, you know, we're both from small towns um 
or small mm. city, I suppose. And and you've seen, I think, you know, when we wanted to be in, like practicing bands and stuff, there, there wasn't even places for that. There was a place we had called the Fleet, but it didn't have any equipment in. I can remember practicing when I was fifteen, and we had an, we had to put a a chair upside down on a desk with a broom to hold the <laughs> microphone and sell the mic on. And that was the kind of the level of artistic structure or whatever you want, or infrastructure that yeah. was there. And it's still like that. I've got a few mates who tried to set up a music studio in the center of town that I was from. And just, you know, the support that's there is nothing compared to what it's like in the cities. So I think people are crying mm. out for it, is what I'm saying. I think they really are. Yeah. When you did that performance in Lee, was that done with the young people of the town or was it people going to Lee from different No, areas? it was all from the young people of the town. And I think that might be where the difference Oh, lies. totally. Because there's been a habit, hasn't there, in the past of, uh, even even quite recently, of doing external engagement, but on the terms of a theatre or an arts organisation rather than with the terms of the place that it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. And look, that spent, we spent probably, there was an engagement period of that before we even engaged with the young people of about three three months where we got to know different community stakeholders from like local councillors to um, different shops to different um, food venues, stuff like that. Um, and so then when we were doing it, we were totally embedded. It felt like we were totally at the time embedded in the community because all the food came from a, a locally sourced cafe, um, two locally sourced cafes, and we uh, and then we were in a local venue. All the kids were from the area, um, so but you've got to spend time. That doesn't happen in like a week or two weeks. That happens, especially if you're going in for the first time, which we were. So you do get that 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 happened over months. We've got your mission statement down, which is empowering working class people yeah uh, the next generation of work class artists i'd say and then the architecture is going to be like a shop in the town or something that you can convert yeah can i add one more thing sorry a big thing that i'd do is i'd pay i'd, I'd pay the young people as artists i'd say they get paid they'd get because especially even if they're under 18 even if it's the first thing they've done they're getting paid because they're putting time in they're coming from probably households that don't have that much money they could be working a part-time job they deserve to get paid. They should be getting paid. I think that's a big step that we, we should be. And I don't, what I don't mean like a tenner, do you know what I, mean? I mean like a rate. And I think that should be put, that would be put into the funding bit that they're, because why not? It's work. It's like, it's work. They're working. They're improving themselves. They're developing themselves. They're developing new skills. They're making my organization look good. <laughs> Let's be honest. They're working. They get paid. And I think that's something that we really need to get our heads around. And also, like, how do you expect them to, dedicate maybe three nights a week two nights a week maybe four weekends and stuff if they're not getting paid they need to earn money at that age would you say that's a blanket statement across all venues even if you've got some venues that attract uh very uh, well not very but quite well-off participants should they be paid as well i've never actually thought of doing work with well-off kids <laughs> that's that thought's <laughs> never actually uh, crossed my mind to be honest so uh yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess they should be, you know. They, um, but I think it's especially important when we're talking about um, the creative cultural sector that that kind of is becoming more aligned with the youth sector that we're seeing loads at the moment. Um, and I know organisations in Manchester do do that. Contact creative protagonists; they're getting paid a nice rate, um, and that should that should happen. Uh, so, if you started doing this, let's say everyone got paid for doing participatory activity, um, and that's could be seen like a venue making 
an investment in young people, would that then mean they start looking to engage people that they think are more likely to have future careers in the arts that they can then utilize? Or do you think the culture will be able to stay very much that anyone can come and anyone can come and earn some money for being involved in a party? Yeah, I mean, obviously there'd be like slight limits to it, wouldn't there? And, 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 and I suppose that's where differentiating like a drop-in session kind of thing to you're working on mm. a show kind of thing. So let's say you're running like a drama drop where you can just come if you want to. Yeah, I, and it's just like a free thing, that's fine. But if it's the next level of that, I guess, where it's kind of, we, if you want to be part of this, we expect you to be here, do, 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 these dates, you can't miss them, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd hope, you know, I'd hope it wouldn't turn into a negative thing. I'd hope it would be really a positive thing where the, the young people go, actually, this is better than me going to get a part-time job at Primark or not this in Primark. I worked at Primark from like the age of 16 to not that long. I got fired, <laughs> 17 and a half. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but but it's really important, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting distinction to make between getting people involved in longer term or intensive projects as opposed to like yeah. your taste to drop in as well. Well, no, because it also acts as an incentive, doesn't it? So if you've got this free, whatever, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, kind of drop in creative space, and but you know, you, you know people who've gone to it, but now... And these people are maybe a year older than you, maybe the same age, but have just been turning up, turning up, and are now doing this really cool project where they're getting paid, and and like at an okay rate, you you keep turning up, don't you? Like if you're interested, you get you go right, okay, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna graph this out now. Yeah, and there's a bit of buzz about the town. You've got something to potentially show at the end of it. Yeah, I really get that, and it and it's it almost is like a dedication to taking it quite seriously. Yeah. I think as well, and you could almost say you could well you can say you're a paid artist then as well. You could put that down on your CV, which yeah. is a really big. Yeah, step, and it's even I not think. for the. Um, I think it's it's kind of like professionalizing it for a young age, isn't it? And not just in the arts, you know, especially in like music and stuff like that. I mean, I can remember being like sixteen and trying to do gigs, and it would be like you'd never get you maybe get like 10 quid from a venue and or sometimes it'd be like oh, i'll pay you in beer or whatever and obviously you're like 16 so you're like oh you're 80 <laughs> and you're like oh buzzing yeah great but that, that shouldn't be happening do you know what i mean these venues especially now where it feels like you can get the get money to create these projects and stuff like we shouldn't be just seeing it as it should be well, actually without these young people it wouldn't happen so they're the most valuable asset i suppose although i don't really like that kind of terminology <laughs> Um, youth theatre groups seem to suffer sometimes with a bit more of the discipline side and at least it's something that's like almost like a mm. professional job then and then you can you can ask or and it wouldn't really be ask for the theatre it's more you can push them more to achieve mm. what they can I think through the project if you kind of professionalised it that way I think that's really interesting I, we've not yet done um, talking about making a youth theatre or participatory projects that'll be coming up in later episodes but i think this is this will be something really good to cast your mind on and think about what you're doing for your theater and i think the idea of paying um for some of the more long-term or intensive projects is a really really interesting idea and i think there's a lot of things that can come from that so rory have you thought about access is that going to be something that's really important in your venue is this one particular form of access needs that you'll specialize yeah, I mean, obviously in obviously making it is making sure it is accessible to all, isn't it? Um, and whether that's physically accessible, um, making sure people um, 
with disabilities can get in um or with long-term health issues can be part of the project so i think that's really important um also i think accessibility in terms of it's not an intimidating space that it feels part of the community um, and it feels like something you could just wander into out of if you're kind of walking past um and you're just curious i think all those things are extremely extremely important yeah doors are quite hard to walk through if you don't know exactly. what's on the other exactly. side so what would you do to make your door a door to walk through and don't say you're just not going to have a door because i don't <laughs> believe you're going to keep it hot <laughs> yeah just just gonna have like uh what are they called like those beads that you oh mate like the, the, butcher's the old butcher's beads, beads. <laughs> exactly stop, like uh, flies and stuff and then pull them aside when people can just walk in yeah. so you can have a little stir through <laughs> that is halfway to saying we're not having a door but i'll let you have it i quite like it i quite like it or maybe some of those flaps you know those um plastic flaps you have on the way into like I don't know some big refrigerators. Uh, yeah, they are that. I don't know if I go for them. The big, the big like plastic flappy strip. Yeah, it could keep it well, warmer. I... You know, just thinking about the the, the coldness. <laughs> no, the I think so... in all seriousness, um, I guess it it would be about speaking to the community you want to engage in, isn't it? So, like, I I think um, and and not presuming that you are the expert in everything. So, if you want to make it uh, accessible for um, kids with autism go and chat to them make sure let them feed into the way you're setting it up if you want to for young work class people chat to them make sure they know with people with long-term health issues but and yeah and make sure they've been part of that planning process i think because i'm not i've definitely put my hands up and say yeah i'm definitely not the expert in stuff in, in everything i'm quite good at in get engagement but i think you need you need to know where where your weaknesses are and speak to people who have those experiences to make sure it is actually accessible how many people do you need to talk to in a community until you've got a good idea to make a judgment because obviously you can't base everything on yeah no what one or two people say so how how big yeah, is this i think that's that a really good for? point and it's not like when yeah even when you're chatting to young you know the simplest of you chatting to young people or old people you can't just go and chat to two and go oh well they wanted beads. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> steve you said beads so <laughs> All young people wanted beads. That's what we went for. Um, I think, I mean, the number, it is a bit of how long is a, a piece of string, isn't it? Um, but I think you've got it. This is where I, I was saying earlier, it, it, it's got a, you've got to put time into it. Um, and whether that's, so for the, the project that I did in Lee ages ago for the, the projects I've done for contact, it's always making sure you've got time to do the engagement properly. And it's not rushed because I think as soon as you start rushing it and you're cutting corners and you're except doing you know that's when it becomes tokenistic whereas actually if you see it as a really important um aspect then you'll do it properly but that comes with time which comes yeah. with cost as well you know so you've got to make sure it's in that the funders agree to it as well there is actually um an equation that surveyors do that look at the number of people that are affected by a decision or what you're surveying and then how many you need to get um, kind of like it, it to be accurate. And with that, you, you have this like area of a, it could be wrong. It's like you end up with 10%, 5% could be wrong. So do you have any final notes on your theatre that you think it's really important that people know? I think I'd call it provoke. Provoke. Provoke, potentially. Um, yeah, that's kind of the final. And if I guess it's it's spoken we've spoken a lot about young people uh but i would i would bring in um a more intergenerational mix as well at some point but i'd start because that's my strength 
is working with young people. And then build it up and out. And you're perfectly content to stick with this one shop in one town and stick at that. You don't want to go and make other shops in other towns and grow it that way. That's not what you're about. You're all about impact in one area. Yeah, I don't really have that um, Yeah, that ambition with it. I, I think... I, I always just wonder why why people want to do that. There's yeah, I, I think if you've managed to set up a really good focused community project, that was good community arts project, theatre project, theatre organisation that is working really well, uh, maybe share your expertise, maybe. But I just think as soon as things start going t- too big, they become thinner and they become less radical, um, and they become less. They be, a lot of the time become um, well less agile. Yeah, maybe that's the word, but. Um, but that's and obviously there, I'm sure there are loads of um, loads of people that can prove me wrong and loads of amazing projects that run um, nationally. Um, but that is something that for me yeah. in my dream I just have the, the one place. From what uh, Alan was saying in the last episode, he was like, once a board comes in, it more becomes about the organisation saving itself rather than being useful to its community. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a really interesting point. Um, and I think maybe once it becomes a certain size of organisation, I mean, that's the whole kind of theory of anarchy, isn't it? That it's not that these things should dissolve to create new things. So once they once they become too big, that's time for it to go. And out of that, something else will, will happen. And, and maybe that is the kind of cycle. I don't know. Wow. Anarchy's come up twice in two podcasts. Maybe that's the way we're going. Maybe we're being anarchic, making our new theatres here, there and everywhere. Maybe they'll all get built one day. So that was Rory Erwin's theatre. And if you want to come on and talk about your own theatre, please get in touch. We've had a bit of demand already, but I'll try and get you through as we move through different episodes. Uh, Rory, do you want to drop your Twitter handle and then people can get in touch with you about your book? Yeah, my Twitter handle is at Rory underscore... Aaron one. Aaron is A A R O N, and it's pronounced Aaron, not Aaron. It's not. Yeah, a lot of people pronounce that Aaron, which is fair enough, but it is Aaron. And Rory's on a mission to change this. <laughs> <laughs> he specifically said at the beginning of the podcast. So if you get in touch with him, it's an Aaron. Make a point about it. And if you want to get in touch with me, obviously it's not as exciting as getting in touch with someone about a poetry book, but you can get me at Wes Builds on Instagram and Twitter. You can email me if you have something a bit longer to say at wesbuildsatheatre at gmail.com. And you can also join the Facebook page and interact on all the posts and get all debatey about what you think a theatre should be. Finally, I know, I know for a fact, I have listeners from America and listeners from Australia. Now, we've already had one American guest on, but we want to hear from you guys and know why theatre is different in different places. So don't be shy. Get in touch. Tell each other about. I know you're loyal, but I just want to know who you are and we can have some fun together. Amazing. I'll catch you soon. Thank you, Rory. You've been top. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.